Hi, welcome to episode 557 of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm Dave Elliott, and once again, I did not get Barbie's dream house for Christmas. Man, Santa is being so stingy with the dream house. In every episode of the Fantastic Forecast, I'll be talking about a different issue of the Fantastic Four, starting with issue one and going all the way to issue 645. Today, it's Fantastic Four 557 from July 2008. World's Greatest, Part 4, by Mark Millar and Brian Hitch. The thing is sinking to the bottom of a body of water in Alaska, but a force field appears around him, Sue lifts him up out of the water, where he finds Sue there with Johnny and a whole bunch of heroes. Ben says he's glad they're all on the same side again. At least, until they have to decide where they want to go for lunch. It's always so hard with a big group. Alyssa says they have to find Cap. Still, the worst name for a robot bad guy ever. She says he's teleporting from base to base, dismantling the nuclear stockpiles. You know, if she could see eight years into the future, she'd be like, dismantle away. Cap is starting off big with nuclear weapons. Then he'll go after tanks and bazookas and assault rifles and handguns and BB guns. And then the weakest weapon of them all, Survivor's Medallion of Power. Ben says that maybe Alyssa and her husband should have included an off switch. Sue says they should stop wasting time talking and get a move on. So later, at the Chitan nuclear facility in Siberia, Cap, the robot, is destroying things, standing in a big pit of flames, while elsewhere, government buildings and any place with nuclear weapons are being evacuated. And in Central Park, Reed has his gigantic anti-galactus suit, which is like 10 stories tall. Where does Reed keep this suit? I don't think he has a closet big enough for this 10-foot, 10-story tall suit. Reed figures that Cap will be attracted to the powerful anti-galactus suit since it's such a big weapon. Yeah, great idea, Reed. Attract the big killer robot to the most populated city in America. Smooth move. So Cap is fast. He destroys four different bases in less than a minute. India is no longer a superpower, and China loses 20% of its arsenal. And this story just lost 90% of its plausibility. How is Cap moving so fast? Everyone thinks Reed is being suicidal, but he's pretty confident that his anti-galactus suit can defeat Cap. I just hate calling the robot Cap. So dumb. So the robot appears, as do a bunch of superheroes. Sue says a bunch of pro-registration and anti-registration people working together. Thanks, Mark Millar, for reminding us of that travesty. Your travesty. So Cap appears, and Reed figures that Cap was probably programmed by Alyssa not to harm him either. Cap confirms this. He says, Bio-signature, Dr. Reed Richards, command, do not hurt. I don't know why Reed has to figure this out for himself. Shouldn't Alyssa have told him this crucial bit of information? So the two giant robots face off. 
I guess the anti-galactic suit isn't really a robot. I don't know what you call it. What do you call someone like in a big robot suit? It's like someone from someone who likes Japanese comic books might know. So Reed and his anti-galactic suit proceed to smash Cap to smithereens. It's not even a good fight. It's over so quickly. All this buildup, and it's over just like that in one page. It's a good thing it was quick though, because Reed shuts down the suit and he says it costs a billion dollars a second to operate. A billion dollars a second. Mark Millar is insane. It's such a ridiculous, over-the-top amount. A billion dollars a second. Reed comes out of the suit and Ben says, for real, he really says this. Holy cripes. Now I know why all the chicks are so hot for you, Stretcho. I think I'm getting a little man crush myself. Getting? Getting? Johnny wants to high-five someone, but Alyssa is like, uh, you didn't do anything. So back in Washington, D.C., at the White House, we check in on the President of the United States, George W. Bush, and he's not happy about what happened. Hundreds of soldiers dead across the globe, billions in damage to nuclear bases. So much for our top secret plan, boys. This story's going to be everywhere. But the Secretary of State, Condoleezza Rice, tells Bushy that the Chinese and the Russians are willing to keep it all secret. She says, New World is our last hope, sir. We can't let a little thing like this hold us back. So later, Reed is helping Alyssa with the massive cleanup efforts, and she's asking him to stick around and help out with New World. He replies that he doesn't like the way all this cat business is being covered up. And besides, he'd rather figure out some way to save our world first. I thought he already figured out a way to save our world. It's called Plan 101. If only Mark Millar had bothered to read the previous run of the book. It's frustrating that Plan 101 seems forgotten about. Alyssa takes the conversation in another direction and wants, to, and wants Reed to admit that they married the wrong people. Her husband is a boring stiff. Sue's eyes glaze over when Reed talks about science. Alyssa says that she and Reed were meant for each other. Reed replies that he loves Sue, and that's something that can't be worked out on a calculator. But I'm willing to bet he's tried. He gives her a peck on the cheek and tells her goodbye and leaves. I guess he's not going to help her with that cleanup anymore. Oh, and Alyssa's timing is really bad, because it's the day of Reed and Sue's anniversary. And they're out having dinner at a nice restaurant that night. And Sue says that she hopes that Reed let Alyssa down gently. She knew exactly what Alyssa was up to. And Sue's taking it very well. She would be like the worst guest ever on the Jerry Springer show. Reed says uh, he wanted to buy Sue a ring but couldn't find one that he likes. So he made one himself. Reed pulls out this ring he made for Sue, and she says it's weird. He says, the little jewel is a micro-galaxy with 74 inhabited worlds with over 40 trillion couples in, in total, all loving each other the way Reed loves Sue. And that is the creepiest present ever! A galaxy on your finger? So weird. 
And and what did Sue get read? A Bob Dylan CD. Which seems like an odd gift in 2008 for a couple of, at the time, Generation Xers. And then we learn they're 13 years in the past. And right outside the window, in the rain, an adult Reed is about to run into an adult Sue meeting for the first time as adults. Which is a lot less creepy than watching them meet for the first time as adult and young child. So out there on a rainy night in 1995, Reed is walking down the street smoking a pipe. Was that some kind of hipster Gen X thing back then? Listening to grunge and smoking pipes? And young Sue is having trouble with her umbrella and she bumps into Reed. Back in the restaurant, Reed wishes Sue a happy anniversary. Is this the anniversary of that meeting? Or an anniversary of their marriage? Who knows? Next, we check in on Johnny, who comes home and finds his new girlfriend, uh, the diamond thief, laying on his bed, naked, covered in money. She says she's been a naughty girl, she robbed another bank, and suggests that Johnny handcuff her. Ugh, they just broke five or six Comics Code rules all in one panel. Oh, how times have changed. He goes in to kiss her, asking, How could something so wrong feel so right? I tell myself the same thing whenever I have sex with a criminal. I can't help myself. I go down to the prison and I say, I'd like to have a conjugal visit, please. And they ask me, With who? And I say, Whoever. I'm not picky. So finally... Back at the Baxter building, an old woman has shown up for a job interview. She tells Ben she's been waiting all evening to interview for a nanny position. Ben is there with the kids and that woman, the school teacher, I think he's dating her. What a show. The old woman introduces herself as Mrs. Tabitha Denevu, and the kids take to her immediately, giving her big hugs. Suddenly. There's a pounding on the door to the nearby elevator. Ben goes over, rips it open on the, on the other side. In the elevator is a very beat-up, ragged Dr. Doom who says, Find Reed Richards now. And that brings us to the end of the first story arc, World's Greatest. I think it started off well with the New World stuff. And that seemed to have a lot of potential, but really... It was just a setup for a giant killer robot story. Ugh, what a drag. Coming in the next issue of the Fantastic Four, oh, it's Fantastic Four, 558. It's a mystery just waiting to be solved. What is Doctor Doom up to? And who beat the crap out of him? And do we care? Do you think Ben Grimm's relationship with that school teacher will last? I don't even remember her name. So, I don't think it's gonna last. Find out more next issue. And, uh, how long do you think Johnny Storm can put up with that girlfriend of his? The, the thief. I don't know her name either. I think we're gonna find out more about her next issue as well. And do you like the Defenders? <laughs> of course you do. Who doesn't like the Defenders? Well, coming next issue, a new group of Defenders it's all happening in Fantastic Four 558. If you have any questions about the Fantastic Four, about this podcast, or if you need relationship advice, you can email me at podcastff at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter, Dave Elliott at podcastff. 
And you can download other episodes of iTunes to find them all at www.podcastff.podbean.com. So long, kids. This podcast is over. Mm-hmm.